we've been thinking about tonight in the Bible. And uh, I think every one of us in this, this auditorium this morning desire an incredible move of God in our lives, an incredible move of God in our families and in our workplaces and in our schools and, and wherever we go. And this week I was preparing just that message again, you know, just Father, you know, just the outpouring of a spirit that, that things can happen and, and signs and wonders can, can start to follow. And, and in that moment, I, I find myself just God saying to me, we are so concerned with what he needs to do that we've lost our heart for him. It's like we desire the signs and the wonders and the miracles. We do. We desire the dead to be raised. We desire, you know, the, the, the light to walk and the blind to see. But the word of God said it is not by my power, it's by my spirit. It's, it's not by what we do. It's not by anything that is of me. It's, it's, all, it's always got to be Him. There's three things that I dislike in life. A deceitful person, cucumber, <laughs> and waiting for someone. My few little headaches. Deceitful people, cucumber, you guys can relate, and to wait. And just this week as I was just preparing this message, God just said to me this, that it's in the waiting. And maybe that's just not a word for me, maybe it's a word for someone else this morning. But God said it's in the waiting. You see, so often we want to brush over, go and wait upon the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Two, we want to move so quickly to the 3,000 that were saved. And I have to ask myself, why did God send them to the upper room? Because He's God. He could have just been taken up and just the Holy Spirit straight away. But He said, go and tarry. He says, go and wait upon the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. And it's in the waiting. And you see, the problem is that, that many of us want to skip the upper room and go to the signs and the wonders and the miracles. But we don't understand that there's always been a purpose in the waiting. And we live in a society today that struggle to wait. We live in a society today that is so busy with everything around us that our time in the waiting, in the tarrying, in the upper room is not as important as the signs of wonders and miracles. I did a funeral on Friday and just before the funeral I was just reading through my notes and this is one scripture that I want to use and it's finally Ecclesiastes 3. And we all know the scripture where it says, and God says, you know, that, that uh, he makes everything beautiful in this time. He says, the time to be born, the time to die, the time to plant, the time to plant, the time to kill, the time to heal. And, and we know that this. But there was this, this, this one scripture that just caught me more than it's ever caught me before. And it's in verse 9, it is 3, verse 9 to 10. And I want to read that to you quickly, but it says this. And this is Solomon. This is like the wisest man that ever lived. He's writing this, okay? There's just a little bit of feedback here. And he says, What prophet has the worker from which he labors? Listen to this. He says, I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. And he has made everything beautiful in his time. And that scripture hit me so hard because I thought, God, what is it that we actually occupy ourselves with? Solomon, 
Solomon writes and he says, he says, I've seen the God-given task with which men are to occupy, be occupied with. And I want to ask you this morning, how many of you are occupied with the God-given task of your life? How many of you can say, good, I'm in the will of the Father right now for every part of my life? Because she sees like the showers. I can I can stand here. And, and I can believe that I'm showering even though it's here. The little trickles get smashed up against my leg every now and again, you know. And every now and again when I feel dishonored, I feel like and then I'm out again. But who occupies the space, the God-given space that God has for you? As I as I wrote my notes down, God said to me, you've got to understand that what happens on the outside of the upper room was produced on the inside of the upper room. We were never going to have the outside encounter. We were never going to feed the unsaved and the blind and the lame and the dead being healed. We were never going to have that if the upper room encounter never took place in our lives. And there's a reason why God allows us. I went back to King David. We all know the story. The David was king and he was ruling, he was the most powerful man, he had no enemies and anything. And one day he wakes up and God lays in his heart because why? The very presence of God, the ark of the covenant, where the mercy of God, the mercy of the presence of God flickered like a flame. That wasn't with him anymore. It had to be stolen by the enemy, it had to be stolen by the Philistines. And after years and years and years of being in the Philistine camp, David one day wakes up and he says, he calls the lead, he says, we have to go fetch the presence of God. And we need to bring it back into the house of God. And as I read to the scripture, we can say, God, how many of us are right there in our lives right now? That we're doing great and we can do all these great things and we can be great kings and we can be great fathers and great mothers and great leaders. But if there's not a desire in us to bring in the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God into our lives, we're going to be nothing more than just a human with a human agenda. And we know what the Word of God says, that he gets all his men together, and he goes down and he fetches the Ark of the Covenant, and he brings it back, and the Word says that he brings it on this new cart, and Uzzah, and, and the guys are, are carrying it, and he says the thing stumbles, and, and Uzzah touches the Ark of the Covenant, poof, dead. And they go, put us up to our stoop. And David goes back. And David says, God, angry, he's angry. God, I went to fetch your presence. I went to fetch your presence and someone died. And the word says it took David three months. Three months before he went back to fetch the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because I promise you, in the waiting, there is a process that God wants to establish in your life and in my life. We cannot have carnal thinking if you want to walk in the presence of God. We cannot be fearful if you want to walk in the presence of God. You're not going to get into the things of God if you constantly believe that you're not worthy. That you're a failure. That your sin is too great. That you've done too much wrong in your life. That you've made too many mistakes. This is what the devil keeps you. The devil will keep you on the stoop, the presence of God, on someone else's stoop. If you don't understand that there's things in our lives that we need to bring together. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Have we messed up? Absolutely. I said to you, even, even on Friday, I, just, I, felt, I felt God that I'm not the perfect guy to be bringing a message. I, I just went under this terrible conviction. 
preach and the lies of the enemy came and you know just like you know you do this wrong and you do this wrong and you just kind of pass and you said this to your wife and you said this to the dog and you know I and who knows what I'm talking about hey and then we need to spend time in the upper room and we just feel like we're not worthy to even go into the upper room and we must not stand on the outside waiting for someone that has been in the upper room to come out so we can just walk next to them you know like just slipstream their anointing you know just like you know, I just want to get a little bit of what they've got. Because God has it so easy for some people, for others it's so hard to get into your presence. And we don't understand the word of God says to you, because of Jesus can freely come into the presence of God. How did that happen? Well, let me tell you something, that David had to go find out why wisdom was struck down. And you know why? Because the glory of God did only be carried on the shoulders of the Levites, the elders, the people of God. It couldn't be carried on a cart. It couldn't carry, be carried on theology. It couldn't be carried on a church. It couldn't be carried on the shoulders of a man. The word of God said that we are prophets, priests, and kings. And because we are prophets, priests, and kings, you and I are able to put the prince of God on our shoulders without battling. But David had to find that out. David had to find out that he was worthy. That he was worthy, but there was a way to bring things into the presence of God and bring things home. And the word of God says that he goes back and the three months that, that the ox stays there. And the word says that when he comes back, it is sacrifice of the sacrifice of the sacrifice to every cow, every sheep they could probably find. Why? Because he didn't want to take a chance. And the word of God says that when they brought the ark of the covenant into Jerusalem, the word of God said that David stood down naked. And his wife, Micah, shouted and says, What kind of a king are you? Exposing yourself to the maidservants. And David turns around and says, yeah, I will become even more dignified than this. It was to bring praise to my God. And we want to speak about that undignified. But let me tell you something. What David did was he threw off everything he was as a king. You see, even his crown didn't matter, and his robes didn't matter, and his wife's comments didn't even matter. What mattered was that he was celebrating the fact that he had come and he was able to carry the prince of God into the city. And you and I want that, you want the signs and wonders, you want the miracles, you want all those things. But it's in the waiting, it's what happens in the upper room that determines what happens outside. And if you and I cannot find ourselves in the presence of God and communicate with God and spend time with God, why do we expect the things to happen? In Mark 6, it says, to those who believe, to those who believe, signs, wonders, and miracles will follow. To those who believe, they'll head to the sick and they will be well. To those who believe. And I need to ask you this morning, do you truly believe this morning? Yes. Do you truly believe that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is leading you this morning? Do you truly believe that you are able as a man or as a woman to come boldly into the presence of God this morning? Are you able this morning to repent of all the shame and the guilt and the sin and the horrible things that we've done? Can we just cast those things down this morning? And coming to a place where God is allowed to move in our lives. And God has allowed to move in the life of the church. The crazy thing is that, 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 that in Luke 10, or Luke 9 at the end, Jesus makes this comment to his disciples and he says this to them. He says, 
the harvest is ripe. He's but all the laborers of you. And he makes a comment and he says to them, Ask the Lord of the harvest for laborers. You see, we want revival in our nation. We want revival in our church. But how many of us this morning have spent time in the presence of God, asking God for harvesters? You see, we always want someone else to harvest. You why? Because someone else has paid the price. Because someone else has been in the upper room. Because someone else has carried. Because someone else has anointed God upon their life. Because someone else is holy. Well, the Spirit of God moves in that person. And so we're going to follow up. But if there's no more time for us to slipstream in the presence of God into other people's lives, there's a calling of God that you are the harvesters. You are the harvest. You see, we miss it because we keep on saying that these signs, what is the miracles of all of those who believe in that's great. But the word of God says a very simple thing that Jesus spoke to says, and you shall receive power for what? To be my witness. What does a witness do? A witness goes to court and gives an account of something that he's seen. A witness gives an account of what he's experienced. I cannot go into court and say, well, Your Honor, America told me that this is what Kathy did. You know why? Because that's hearsay. And they don't accept it in our courts of law. Most of us live in hearsay. Most of us live in, remember the good old days? Remember when we were across the road? Remember when we were in this church? Remember when this happened five years ago? Remember when the outpouring? Remember when all these things happened? And we're always living in the past, we're always living in what was, but we never push into what is. And we want the signs and we want the miracles and we want that, but we don't understand that that's not what God gave us power. God gave us power to be a witness. He said, going to all the world, going to all the world to make disciples of all men. And if you walk in and out here every week just because you want to see a miracle, let me tell you something, there's no greater miracle than one that is lost, but that is now found. There's no greater miracle than an innocent man died on the cross for me, wretched as I am. And I'm going to understand the price that was paid for me. Because I'm going to understand the price that God paid for me. The upper room seems like a breeze. If I could go through what Jesus went through, the whooping and the trials and the crown thorns on his head and stuck on a cross, then carrying means nothing to me. It should be an easy thing. The days of slippery Christianity is coming to an end. The day you can just slip between behind the church or behind the past or behind the elders is coming to an end. The word of God says in the last days I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh. Malachi says your young men will dream dreams your old men will give you visions. Aren't we in that time right now? But it's the time when you and I need to walk in freedom. Because somewhere on the line, we're not getting what was done on the cross of Calvary for us. We're still punishing ourselves for sins we did. We're still punishing ourselves for the past. We're still standing outside the upper room. Why? Because we've done so much wrong that we haven't got the courage to walk into the presence. And we try and carry it on our shoulders and this is when we die. 
And it's when you get struck down. And when we think they sacrificed, they need to be made. I need to be this kind of Christian and this kind of believer. All you've got to do is be a believer. And allow God to do what God needs to do in your life. I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. Have you occupied your space that God has given you? Are you occupying your God-given task that God has for you? Because let me tell you something, it's easy for us to exist. You and I can exist. We can wake up every morning, we can have a cup of coffee, we can have a shower, get dressed, go to work, come up, have supper, watch TV, go to sleep. And we can say a little prayer in between that. And we can read one or two scriptures in between that. And that's great, because at least I'm not going to help to it. Let me tell you something, there's a lot more to heaven than just not going to help. And we need to get to this this morning. Because let me tell you something, as a pastor, I'm standing here this morning, and this week what I've been asking God is, God, I need harvesters. I need harvesters. I remember Joshua Book from on a farm in Middleton. They had these massive lucerne fields. And those lucerne fields had to go harvest. Which means this, this tractor with a special thingy on the back had to come and cut. And once it was cut, they brought this right thing up. They would throw it into like a line. And after the line was thrown, they'd bring this little machine and put the baler. They would ride over and these things would just chuck up these bales. These beautifully tied bales, amazing machines. But then those bales would have to be picked up and put in the storeroom. And I remember working with him till 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, harvesting. Why? Because the harvest had to come in. We couldn't stop there. We couldn't stop because tomorrow we'll, we'll do that tomorrow. Because let me tell you something, the while that stuff lays in the field and the dew falls on it, it becomes moldy, it becomes rotten, and the value of that discern you can throw it into the field. There's no value to it. And this is the problem with the harvest right now, that we, we're harvesting trickle by trickle because somehow we always think that there's it tomorrow. I've been 25 people in the last six months that thought there was a tomorrow. I've been my father that thought there was going to be a tomorrow. You see, it's time to take that step of faith and step up into the upper room. Because if we want what comes from the other side of the upper room, we've got to get into the upper room. Yeah. And we've got to carry it. Yeah. I'm not saying again more church services, that's not what I want. What I'm saying is you, you, you get into the presence of God. The word of God says, work out your own salvation with you and Germany. This means nothing. I realized that this morning I had this long moment and I, maybe I shouldn't confess it to you because they're walking me a pay cut. <laughs> but I sat this morning during the time of worship and, and, and prayer and peace. Did anyone want to join us on a, on a Sunday morning for Corpus Hanging in the back there? But Dwayne and, and Steve were painting the cards and we were singing. And I just found the presence of God in the room. And for this minute, the storm popped into my head. Why is it so easy? 
Are you me? Yeah. Hey? Yeah, yeah. It's so much easier when there's, when there's a guitar and, and some guy with cool voices, you know, my voice, I didn't even sing in the shower. But I mean, that's how bad it is. But then I think the room of two or three, and all of a sudden you just feel the presence of God in the place. And I have to ask myself, what is it good? Are you practicing His presence or not? Because it should be easier for me to come into His presence than with a group. You know why is it easy with a group? Because we're at the slipstream once again. At the slipstream we have the anointing that Stephen is carrying with his guitar, the anointing that Dwayne is carrying in his voice. At the slipstream I prefer, I prefer those goosebump moments. But the problem is when I walk out of that prayer room, the goosebump moments are gone. Why? Because he's carrying them. He's been in that room. And then I become despondent. But I said this morning, just in my, my head, I said, oh, I, I want to be a worshiper before I'm part of worship. You know what I'm saying? I want to be a worshiper before I'm part of worship. I want to be able to worship in my quietness and well, worship in my variety and worship in my, in my quiet time before I want to worship as a team. And the only way I'm going to get this, I'm going to take the step of faith and step into that upper room and occupy my God-given task that God has for me. I knew from the age of 13 that somebody prophesied that I'd be in the ministry. From the age of 13. You know how long it took me to step into the ministry? 15 years. 15 years I carried that thing. And you know what I carried for 15 years? And please, I give God's time. But I had to convince myself that I was worthy of the calling of God upon my life. Something I should never have had to do. Because I'm worthy no matter who I am. The fact that I was born tells me that God finds me worthy. The fact that I was born tells me that God has that very space, that God-given task that He wants me to occupy. And I want to say this to you. Right now in my life, I love what I'm doing. Why? Because I'm occupying the God-given space in my life. And this is frustrating me. I spoke to some kids the other day and I said, you know, 90%, I know this is my figures, but I believe 90% of people that study at universities don't even care on what they study. Because it's not their God-given toy, it's not their God-given task. We don't see God in all of our hearts. Divorce is rampant through our nation. Why is divorce rampant? Because we don't see God for our partner. The word of God says that which God has put together in no man separate or put asunder. How many of you spend time in the presence of God saying, Is she the woman for me? Is he the man for me? Or we just marry them because they're cute. <laughs> Cuteness wears off. In a woman, not in men. <laughs> you have wine. Because I want the Holy Spirit to now come and listen to your heart this morning. And I want to ask that you would start occupying your God-given task. I want to ask that you would become a man and woman of His presence. It's going to happen. 3,000 are going to get saved. 3,000 are going to get baptized. And 5,000 are going to get saved. And another 3,000 are going to get saved. But let me tell you something. It starts with you and me. What did you encounter? The presence of God. It's all that matters. It's all that matters.
God says, as those men were carried, you know that theologians say that 500 people started in that upper room. Ten days later, 120 were left. And if I just say to this morning, well, yes, you know, 250 people here. Let's stay the next 10 days here. I wonder how many will be left by next week, Wednesday. And because, oh, yeah, I'm a good Christian, I'm reading my Bible, but I'm a Sunday Jew, I'm going to go to the How many of us would be left? How many of us would be prepared to tell you? You see, sin has been dealt with. He did that on the cross. That's not your issue. Your past has been removed. The word of God says, as far as peace is from the West, that can't be your excuse. The only excuse that we have is that we've got to start to live under the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. We've got to understand how much He loves us. He loved us so much that He gave His only Son. And when His only Son was done, He then left us His very Spirit that raised Christ from the dead to be in the earth and on the earth with us. And that same spirit is available to you today. You can do the impossible if you're prepared to step into His presence. If you're prepared to tell Him. If you're prepared to occupy your God-given task. And you need to find out what is your God-given task. What is the calling of God upon your life? What is it that He wants you to do? And must I tell you what He wants you to do? Must I tell you what your God-given task is? Must I stop all your searching and worrying? All you want you to do is be a harvester. Go into all the world. He's looking for harvesters, that's all. He's not interested in your problems, he's not interested in you know, your sins and the things you've done wrong and the things you've said. All he's looking for is just a group of harvesters.
Be very careful when you pray that prayer. Be very careful when you pray that prayer because God will break your heart before it breaks his. But I want to say this to you. It's a prayer that every one of us should be praying. Father, break my heart before it breaks yours. Because only when God can break this heart of stone and we can see the heart of flesh that he carries and the passion, the love and the grace and the mercy that he has for the, for the lowest of low human beings. For the worst of the worst dictators and, and serial killers, even the love that he has for them, it will break your heart. And I want to pray today that you will break our heart for break yours. And I want to ask you all to, to do something. I don't want you to move. Because I want you to take this moment right now to set things right with God. I want you to take this moment to step into that God-given task and start to occupy what God has for you in this world. But more than that, I want you to come to a place of honor. I want to be a harvester. 